Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your, uh, well, soon-to-be prince of pork. <laughs> well, you know, it's the springtime working on that body, but um, there's a bunch of bodies coming this way. On April 30th, we have uh, Koshan 555, and that is quite an amazing event. I've been able to uh, be both a quote-unquote celebrity judge and um, uh, pour some coral wines at this event. This is all about uh, recognizing uh, slow food, kind of the heritage breed pigs. And uh, today's guest, I have uh, Robert McEwen, who's the director of communications for Koshan 555. Um, it's founded by Brady Lowe, and he's out of Atlanta. But uh, they also have a piggy bank charity, it's called. And Robert McEwen is also director of communications for the piggy bank charity. So I I'm, uh, it's Saturday night. I'm kind of hungry. I want to learn more about this, and I want to share with you because it's coming to town to Seattle April 30th. So, Robert McEwen, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, I was looking forward to, um, I know that we were skipped one year, and it was uh, uh, to my dismay, but um, you are such a popular event. Let's talk about Koshan 555. What is it? Koshan 555, we like to call it a... Uh, competition for a cause it's an event it kind of goes to, it's kind of like a rock and roll tour but with food it goes to 17 cities in every city everything's different it all localizes different farmers different chefs uh different winemakers involved and we support family farms that raise heritage breed pigs all right and so how many so this is not just the uh um charlotte's web wilbur pig right this uh, what's a heritage breed pig well Heritage breed pigs are, um, you know, the kinds of animals that, that would have been around when the settlers arrived or would have been brought with them when people came from, whether it was Eastern Europe or England and Scotland and Ireland. Um, you know, they're animals whose, whose, whose genetic makeup and whose relation to the environment and the way they taste if raised properly really hasn't changed for centuries. And uh, when Brady Lowe founded the tour, there were really only about a few dozen farms in the whole country that that raise these animals and a lot of these heritage breeds we work with about 12 to 15 of them were on the watch list for extinction um nine years later there's about 500 farms nationwide and we hope to help double that in the next few years and we've worked with about 450 of them so um it's a pretty unique thing and it's about a way of life and it's also about something that tastes really, really good. Oh, well, I've been to Spain, and I've certainly enjoyed the Iberico ham, and, and that's the black-footed pig, which uh, eats acorns and has a really oily texture, rich, dark meat, or, you know, rich, flavorful meat. Um, I, I really love that. Is that one of the heritage breed pigs? Yeah, that's one of the heritage breed pigs. There's there's the Mangalisa, which also has these incredible kind of legs and enormous amount of fat. Um, I mean, even the fat on these pigs, it's if you were to, you know, have have five spoons with fat from five different pigs, they would taste so differently. It would be like doing a wine tasting um, and just <laughs> tasting different varietals. It's it's really, and we've done that. <laughs> it's uh, it's really really a wild thing, and um, they're they're also just incredible animals. Um, and the farmers that raise them, 
their understanding of these animals, their relation to the land. Um, you know, they're, they're real characters. We had one in LA. She used to be a child psychologist. So she talks about her animals, like they're all her patients and children. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, you know, the things we discover, people do interesting crosses, whether it's a Gloucestershire with an old spot. Um, there's a wild Chinese breed called the Meishan. I mean, they're, they're, they're really incredible beasts. Interesting. So, um, this this history goes back uh, obviously hundreds of years. How many areas of the world are heritage breed pigs from? I know you mentioned uh, the, the UK and you said some part of uh, Eastern Europe, but but what are the areas? Would, obviously, Spain would have one, but does is each country kind of have their own? Is that kind of how it works? You know, um, th- that that um, in terms of going outside of Europe, Europe is. You know, primarily the varieties we deal with are European varieties, but they can go back. You know, the Mangalitsa goes back to the Austro-Hungarian Wars and was bred um, in that era. A lot of the pigs, like like anything, are the results of of changes in history. You know, where where people were and what conditions existed. Um, a lot of the parts in the world don't have them, um, and you know, just have feral pigs. Whether it's a lot of the islands in the Caribbean. Um, I don't know about South America. Certainly that would be a whole different thing. Um, but definitely the American relationship is one of the, the new world in the American sense with the old world in the European sense. All right. And, you know, there's this talk about the boar. We had wild boar was one of the uh, the early 2000s or maybe late 90, 1999s um, where this was the new deal on, on many menus. Is, is, that, is that related? Are there heritage boars? Um. It, it would really depend where um, those would be more. Th- those are, I mean, those are slightly different animals from what I know, but um, <laughs> I'd have to defer to a farmer on that. Um, certainly the taste is very different um, because they are wild. Um, and obviously whether you have a wild boar in uh, the Pacific Northwest, or for example, I used to live in Asia and we had wild boar there, and that was a whole different thing again. Right. Um, okay. Well, let's so talk that, about. So, who? Um, this was Brady Lowe's idea. I mean, how did? Uh, let, let's talk about Brady Lowe. Brady Lowe was the founder of Koshan Five Five Five. Is that correct? Yeah, Brady. You know, Brady's our our founder and the the one who came up with this pretty amazing idea. Um, he came out of the. You know, he was a he was a wine guy himself, and he came out of the event space and. He, he wanted to have something that he could kind of own. And cheese was, cheese was taken and wine was taken and beer was taken. And he somehow settled on um, the pig and Cochon 555. I don't know how because he doesn't speak French. <laughs> um, but he came up with this great format. And what's really cool about the event is it's a lot of events these days are really celebritized and they're quite big and involves a lot of waiting in line. And maybe you get one dish from a chef. At our events, these chefs are essentially cooking tasting menus with this pig. These five competing chefs, they they do six different dishes, and their the attention to detail is exactly like what you'd get at, at, on their menu, as opposed to just being, you know, a burger or a lobster roll or something. And um, Brady's vision was to use the event first to create awareness, and now we're really into that second phase or, or the end game, if you will, which is which is impact and legacy. And and that's where the event is putting a lot of its resources now. And the chef community is incredibly supportive. And uh, we've also started this charity as a part of that as well. Well, let's uh, uh, dovetail into the charity. What What's the piggy bank charity mean? So piggy bank has two aspects. And one is meant to solve 
one of the big issues with farmers is isolation. Um, you know, they're out on the land um, a lot of the day. Um, they're not just you know, able to hang out and do stuff on computers or go see people and down the block in the neighborhood and meet other chefs, they, they really are isolated. And so that, that, that is something we'd like to bridge. So by using this, this database of knowledge that we've been building over the years, um, the idea is to, is to promote what we call open access agriculture. So to collect what is the things that have worked well in marketing. What are the things that work well um, in terms of working with a restaurant? How is that different? What about working with a butcher? What about a retailer? Uh, how do certain breeds react to certain climates? All these types of things, we're, we're pooling this in a database to share amidst the farmers nationwide. The other half of that is uh, we're actually building a working farm in Missouri. And on this farm, there will be 10 towers of genetics. So each representing a different breed. Um, we're, we're literally doing bloodline testing right now for purity. We have our own scientists. We have a family that's going to run the farm. And each of these towers, we hope to produce about 60 to 90 piglets a year. There will be no profit on the farm. Everything will be given to farmers to help support them either in expansion or to be able to help get into this, um, you know, what we think is a pretty special space. And just as 10 years ago, there wasn't a grass-fed beef space, or 15 years ago, there wasn't a biodynamic wine space, we, we hope that we can help create a space for people um, economically, agriculturally, and culturally for these uh, types of farms and animals. Very cool. And you, you said you talked about piglets. I'm curious, what uh, do they call a litter of piglets? Is that what it is when a, a sow has her babies? Yeah, a litter. And how many piglets typically come <laughs> are born? I mean, is it ten to twelve or? I don't know. I think in the eight to twelve range, but um, just like a hot dog pack, right? Eight to twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Baker's dozen. <laughs> oh, so fun. Uh, speaking with Robert McEwen, who is the Director of Communications for uh, Koshan555. And uh, the website, Robert, is? Yeah, koshan555.com. Um, and you can check out the tour button. Um, and there's lots of fun videos there as well. For, yeah, uh, it's, it, it, that, that website is really quite interesting. And it looks so fun. How many, uh, you said this was founded nine years ago? Yeah, this is the ninth year. Wow, geez, time's been going by so quickly, it's, uh, and it's great to look forward to it. I, I remember being one of the uh, the judges for the the tasting menus, and um, I was eating everything on that plate, and it was fantastic. Oh. I had to slow down. I said, "Oh, holy yeah. smokes! There's there's up to thirty six different, sh or uh, like thirty plus different plates. Some people did more than six. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's incredible. I, <laughs> I've given up judging every time because I can't handle the the infusion of uh, of fat. But I, it's a pretty amazing process, and yeah, I mean, you you just there's so many bites to, to eat that day. It's it's we call it a stand up tasting menu. Yes, it was standing up, and uh, was really cool is that you have the sommeliers pair wines, and you have some cocktails being made. Let's talk about all the facets of uh, this event, Koshan Five Five Five, which comes to the Fairmont Hotel here in Seattle on April thirtieth, and tickets are available at Koshan Five 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 dot com. So, what could someone expect to uh, enjoy and appreciate and experience there? Well, you're going to get all these original bites of pork. Then you're going to get five winemakers, really interesting. Abe, Abe Schooner's Scolium Project, Pax Malls, Syrahs. Um, you're going to get uh, the Punch Kings competition, which is another competition. We uh, It's all cocktail punch 
matches meant to celebrate community. And just like the chefs, the winner of the city goes on to the national championship. We have a Manhattan bar. We have a smoked old-fashioned bar. We have Angostura Rum Queens Park Swizzle Bar. Um, we have a butter and and foie gras bar. I mean, it just goes on <laughs> and on. I mean, some people go there and they only do cocktails. Other people go there and they only do wines. I mean, there's there's 20 plus wines, which on a wine list would be 75 to 250 bucks, and you can just dive in um, all day long to your heart's content. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty unique event, and um, you know, and it's also a, a real got a real community spirit and energy about it because everyone's there for kind of good reasons, and uh, that's another thing I love about it. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds amazing. I really enjoy it, and uh, obviously, I remember last time I was there. Um, I think you know, two hours in, I was starting to sweat actual pork fat out of my yeah, temples. Yeah, sweat. <laughs> it was <laughs> amazing. Was... Now, how do you decide on how do you decide on the chefs? Um, the uh, the chefs, uh, you know, we go through a process. Some chefs apply; other chefs we kind of put in the system. And they really, well, they have to have experience with whole animal butchery, which is not um, something everyone does. They have to represent the same values we do in terms of sourcing. Um, ideally, they have to have already been working with these animals. And then we look for a combination of established chefs and stars, young, on-the-rise chefs. We always like to have a dark horse or a little guy. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then we put them in the system and uh, and and see who kind of matches up best. I like it, um, and I know that Craig Hedstrom is your uh, traveling wine coordinator, your sommelier extraordinaire, and uh, I've known Craig for many many years, and that's really cool. Um, we're going to take a little break here, but when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about some of these uh, heritage breed pigs. Do you have a list of there? Because I, I remember there's some names that were pretty colorful. A uh, red wattle, I think, was one of the names that I remember. Oh yeah, red wattle's a great one. Yeah, and. <laughs> Exactly red. Oh, <laughs> funny. And uh, so for everybody, talking with Robert uh, McEwen, who's the Director of Communications for Koshan 555. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, welcome back to segment two, round two. Hope you got something tasting your glass. And uh, i got to be honest, I got a package in the mail today. It's uh, it was from Mexico. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't what I thought it was. It's actually a bottle of liqueur. It's called Ancho Reyes, Ancho Chili Liqueur. And uh, I'm taking a little sip here. So I actually have something uh, in my glass in studio. But I do have a, a fine young man, an Ancho Chili fan, I'm sure. Uh, Robert McEwen is the Director of Communications for Koshan 555, one of the most amazing uh, farm-to-table chef uh, events. And, uh, well, it's more than chefs. It's sommeliers. It's, it's bartenders and farmers and... And it's so much fun. It's coming to Seattle April 30th. We were talking about heritage breed pigs. And, uh, Robert, you said there were 11 or 13, was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably two dozen or more. We work with about a dozen regularly. 
Um, and uh, it, it just really depends the, the part of the country. All right. And so what could, what kind of pigs – do you determine what pigs are – you know what we're going to have in Seattle yet? Uh, not yet. We have someone actually in, pretty amazing who works full-time doing nothing but the, the pig sourcing side of things. She's an ex-high-level chef in the South. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always – it's always of interest uh, to see what comes up. And it also is reflective of what's changed since we've been there the year before. So it's also really exciting to see new farmers, um, what new breeds are, are being used as well. Interesting. Well, I remember some of the dishes. I think Jason Franey a couple of years ago was the, the winner. And uh, I'm not sure. I think it might have been uh, Josh Henderson was a winner, I think, last year or the year before. Um, and uh, some of the dishes were just amazing. I was really blown away. Uh, and I come back from a tasting menu background at my former on-premise gig. And it was beautiful. But to think that you're going to use everything from a pig, and you can, it has to be included in the pig. So we had uh, pig skin, pig ears, uh, head cheese, snout. I think he had some offal at one point. But we had bacon ice cream and pork ice cream. And um, just it, it was almost, I think we had some pork cotton candy, too. It's just been amazing. What, what's really blowing your mind from seeing a chef and what they do? Uh, you know, the, the thing that I like is, is just the way they're able to tell stories. Um, I actually came to Koshan because I did a, an academic research study on them for Oxford University. And we, I did this study of all the menus dating back um, five years. What was really interesting was every single year, more and more of the people that won told, told more stories and more categories of things such as culture, the connection to a their city, uh, their own post-personal story. So it's really fun to see the chefs getting into it and creating these narratives at the same time that you're, they're using every bit of that pig. I love it, and we're excited. April 30th, and uh, tickets are, I mean, how many people can attend? I mean, there's like, what, 250 or 400 tickets? Is that right? Yeah, we've got 400 tickets. We try to keep it small. Yeah. Tickets are higher so you don't have to wait in lines and and you also don't start really we don't really want to run out of food until the very bitter end yeah there's always something new to eat that can be a challenge for a lot of events i know that especially when you have it around dinner time people just uh go off and it's it's really a, a treat now you mentioned punch kings uh are these local bartenders or are these uh ambassadors coming to poor punch how was this all about yeah, Punch Kings is our uh, cocktail competition, and uh, we chose the cocktail punch, the bourbon punch, which is a very historical drink, and we chose this because of what it represents. It was the original group serve. It was the original community drink, and so everyone has to make a punch with a bottle of Breckenridge bourbon, and it's all local bartenders. And the winner is chosen amongst the panel of judges, and the winner, just like the chef, is flown to our year-end finale, which is called Grand Cochon, which will be in Chicago this year. Cool. I know that you uh, you were in Aspen for a Grand Cochon at the Aspen Food and Wine Festival one year. And uh, what what is the date for that? Is that a August event or is that September? When when can we look to to find out who's the best uh, <laughs> who's the best chef of Cochon in the in the United States? Uh, it's October 1st, so we've kind of changed things around um, in order to include more cities in it. So before it was just certain cities and cities before June, and now every city we go to, the winning chef and the winning 
Punch King go to the national final. So cool. Now, do you guys have like a big uh, one of those rock and roll buses or the tour buses where you all pile in and pile out and just, you know, go from city to city? Or how, how do you carry on this, all these people that are involved? You know, um, the the logistics side of it is pretty amazing. Um, I, 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 I fortunately am not responsible for those details. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely handle a dinner party of my own. But, um, yeah, they, they maintain, I think, they just maintain a production team and they maintain certain setups and we have some partners for staff and everything else gets shipped around. But what, what's unique about the event is that we, everything's local. So the food, the pork, the pigs, the chef, the bartenders, all that comes locally. And uh, the only challenge is really getting, sometimes getting certain wines into market. Right. But uh, in that it's all locally done. So it's, it's a it's a pretty special event that way. Yeah, and that's really a reflection of the community too. Is that we've got people, and it, it's a global thing, but it's global starts in your locally, right? And uh, yep. I really enjoyed that part of it. Now, have you has Koshan reached the uh, um, the airwaves? Is there a, a Top Chef Koshan on on television, or, or how has this been celebrated in the media? Um, you know, our media following is is pretty strong uh this year we've tried to it's our first year with our own in-house communication setup so we've been trying to manufacture a lot of content uh we're also launching our own version of a food symposium or ted talks this year which will also be recorded for radio and video for later on so it's uh it's been pretty special we're pretty active now on social media trying to tell a lot of stories that way so we, we try to find different channels to do this this all over and of course anyone that wants to help tell the story in the media or on their own channels is is something we welcome yeah i'm excited to have you and i know that uh, last time we didn't quite have enough time to to speak on the show and share the koshan 555 story it, it is amazing now one of the you know knowing brady for as many years as i have he's he's a tall guy he's really a kind of a big guy and uh um I was always curious, does he have like a team physician traveling around monitoring his cholesterol things? <laughs> he's got he's got a he's got a very smart and tough girlfriend. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so, and 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 then it's a combination of then it's a lot of green juice when we're not eating pork. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm sure cuz uh, that's one thing I didn't see a lot of was vegetables at the event. Yeah. Um it was really fun. Now Breckenridge, how did you how did you select Breckenridge to be the Punch Kings bourbon uh sponsor? No, Breckenridge is, has been a really really great partner. Um their 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 dedication to kind of old techniques and the heritage of what they do is is really important and a good match for the tour and their portfolio just keeps expanding. We we were in Denver last week, which is obviously near their base in Colorado, and oh my, the drinks that they made for our charity dinner were really something and I had no clue that they did things like chili vodkas or gins or it, it was a really impressive range of stuff that that they they pulled out. So fun. Well, uh, I know this is a Fairmont Olympic Hotel, and uh, I'm sure that there's lots of logistics taking place. Um, tickets are available now, right? Koshan 555 Seattle on April 30th. Do you can buy tickets today? That's correct. Tickets are available, and also watch out. We've also got a Saturday charity day now called Bespoke. Bespoke. Uh, which, which is a, a new forum we're doing with the Oxford Food Group, and we've got some of the biggest minds in 
in food, flying in to give speeches and a charity dinner right after. Oh, so it's it's after the event, or is it it's before the, the day before the day before? Do you have any details? Yeah. Is that actually at the Fairmont, or is that a, at a restaurant to be determined? We're gonna release the details on where it is. We do our we do our our academic uh, forum and speeches, our version of TED Talks, if you will, on Saturday at nine a.m. And then the charity dinner is done that night, and it all goes to charity the whole the whole day. And that's the piggy bank charity, right? Yep, piggy bank, and then the other half goes to support uh, Oxford University young students to be able to go study there. Interesting. So, the and so you said you're an Oxford alumni, is that right? Uh, I was mentored by the founder of the food symposium. I didn't actually go there, but I present at their forum every year, pretty much, and uh, and so we, we've had a long relationship with them. Very cool. So how much does a heritage breed pig actually weigh? Are these like, you know, the sizes of a small dog or is this, you know, a 300 pound or 500 pound? I mean, I I have no idea. Yeah, well, Brady has one that's the size of a mid-range dog, but it depends how much you let it eat. Is that (laughs) it? But but the ones that you would eat would would be roughly, uh, the ones we use for the event are 200, 220 pounds, but these things... The normal ideal weight would be three to four hundred. Ah, they're running a little and lean. I say. There are some like the large blacks; they can get up to seven hundred pounds. Yeah, well, amazing. It's, it's an unbelievable animal, and they all have they all have their own look. I mean, you know, they're uh, they're 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 wild. The more the more you research them, the shapes, whether it's the belly or the shoulders or. Uh, the front legs. Everyone's shaped very differently. I love it. Hey, uh, Robert McEwen with Koshan555. This has been a treat. We look forward to seeing you on April 30th at the Fairmont Hotel. We look forward to it, too. Awesome. Uh, Come along. All right. We'll see you there. Hey, everybody. uh, Stick around. I've got Alex Hamer of uh, BC Distilled coming up right next on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. It's time for round three. Hope you got something tasty in your glass. I'm still kind of sipping on this uh, ancho chili liqueur called Ancho Reyes. I'm trying to get some inspiration on what I'm going to do with this. We're going to go into margarita. It's probably what I should try, but uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm in the studio all alone with just a little dram of this chili liqueur because my guests are out and about. We just had Robert McEwen, who was traveling with Koshan 555, and now I've got a neighbor up in the north. Alex Hamer is the executive director and founder of BC Distilled, the British Columbia Distillers Guild Festival, and he's online. Hey, Alex, welcome to Happy Hour. Hi, thanks. Cool. So um, BC Distilled, this is your baby. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's uh, so BC Distilled is uh, is a spirits only distillery festival in Vancouver. Uh, this is our fourth year. We've got thirty four distilleries attending, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a pretty standard uh, tasting festival from from the perspective that you you get your ticket and you show up and then you just try awesome spirits all night. 
<laughs> well, um, now, I know in Washington, the craft spirit, you know, we were a very protectionist state. We had the liquor control board, so everything was uh, run through, you know, that operation, which wasn't very cool. Um, but it, we had this repeal of some laws where we had distilleries starting in 2010, and uh, now I think Washington State's got the most uh, distilleries in the uh, in the Great 48. Yeah, you guys are probably three or four years ahead of us. So you, you've got a lot more distilleries than, than British Columbia, uh, for sure. I think we, we probably have about 40 that are operating right now, and that I'm aware of, close to 20 that are, that are somewhere in the process of, uh, of becoming distilleries. Cool. And was there a law that was passed, or was there sort of movement? Or how, how did the whole distillery scene, uh, what's the inception? Yeah, we, we had a few distilleries, uh, maybe less than 10 or 10 or 12, and they changed the laws in 2013. They brought in something in, in, in British Columbia that they called the, the craft distillery designation. And, and what, what they require is that you use 100% BC agricultural inputs. So whether it's rye or, or uh, grapes or apples or whatever it is, it has to come from British Columbia. And, and if it does, they give some pretty significant tax breaks. And it, it's it's put the distilleries in a place where they can they have a little bit better chance of making a profit than, than they did before. <laughs> I know the breaking even thing isn't quite sustainable. Um, I know for Washington, we don't have an income tax down here in the lower 48. Uh, in our state, taxes everything else uh, to the uh, nth degree. We have a lot of liquor taxes here. What's the story up in B.C.? Do you have the same sort of, of, of extra taxes? I know that you have the V value-added tax, right, the VAT tax up there? Yeah, it's uh, we've we've got a, a a federal goods and service tax. We have a, we have a provincial liquor tax, which is ten percent. Um, but you know, it, it, British Columbia, like most provinces in in Canada, are uh, controlled states or controlled controlled uh, areas. So the the there's a government liquor regulator right just like washington they can sort of apply whatever pricing they want so so what that means is before this came in they would apply a retail markup to spirits even if you sold it out of the front door of the distillery they still took their piece i see all right well um i guess you know they we we got to fund something to keep them employed um so it was was a lot of money you know like like washington there's still a hangover from prohibition yeah british columbia that's for sure it's got a long shadow interesting you guys had prohibition up in canada didn't you very briefly, yeah. <laughs> well, good for us. I know that kept us uh, going with all that Canadian whiskey. And I almost want to say that's what made Canadian whiskey to be so prominent, is that you guys were um, you know, f- slaking all the American thirsts and all those speakeasies. There, was, there, there are some wealthy people in Canada still, I think, thanks to American prohibition. <laughs> it's true. For sure. So um, this is the fourth annual event, and you you have it at a um, a special hall. Tell me, what's the date? How do people get tickets? So people can get tickets at bcdistilled.ca. It's uh, it's at a place called the Creation Cultural Center, which is pretty close to right downtown Vancouver, and it's it's uh, on easy transit as well. So if, if you're coming up, you can you can stay downtown and get out there in in fifteen ten or fifteen minutes. That's cool. Uh, what are tickets run? Tickets are $70. And uh, this, obviously, you get a glass, but do you get a, a fork and a plate? Is there some, some belly warming stuff outside of the uh, fire water? <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got a bunch of restaurants and a, f- a, few other, uh, a few other, like we've got pickles and, and, and things like that, chocolate. 
um, restaurants that are doing uh, canapes. So you, you don't you don't need a fork and a plate. They're just past canapes you can grab off of the tables. When you get in, you get a glass, and that's it. You don't have to purchase tasting tickets, which is one of the things I really like. So w- once you're in the door, you don't have to spend another penny. You All can right. just try what you like. Cool. And this is April... April 8th. April 8th. Saturday, All April right. 8th. BC yeah. Distilled. Um, I'm looking forward to heading up there. They're going to take the train, I believe, and uh, check out all of the distilleries. Now, I know that here in Washington, obviously, uh, vodka was the uh, vodka and gin have been dominant because they don't have to age vodka and, or gin, and so you can get it out and make some money or get some cash flow. But whiskey is really is coming on strong here because we've had a few years, so people can rest it in barrel. What's what are the hot hot spirit categories in British Columbia? Yeah, whiskey is 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 just creeping in. We've got one distillery that's releasing a a, a bourbon this year, although I don't they can't call it bourbon. It's a bourbon <laughs> product um, and rye. So we probably have, I would say. Eight to ten uh, distilleries that are that are releasing whiskeys, and those are definitely attracting a lot of attention. We also are getting some really nice brandies. We've got uh, uh, a six-year-old uh, brandy that that's uh, was was just released from one of the distilleries, which is just amazing. Uh, a ten-year-old cognac is coming out. Wow! Uh, so th- we we are getting a f- some aged products, and we are getting some whiskey, definitely. But but we're as I said, we're a few few years behind uh, Washington, so another few years, but the appetite is there, definitely. That's great. Well, we always considered, uh, obviously, Canada being a beer-drinking place, eh? Um, Yeah. Is the cocktail scene taken over in uh, British Columbia, or I know that I was up there for the Vancouver International Wine Festival. It was great to see how many wineries are are, uh, making the rounds and and, uh, sharing their wares. How popular are spirits there? It's growing. It's definitely growing. There, there are some great, great bars up here that do amazing cocktails, and a lot of them are starting to pick up using the local spirits to make those cocktails. So it's, it's definitely there. It's not as popular as, as beer. We like our beer up here. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but every year it's growing, and there are new places that are opening up. Even just specifically, they're, they're launching uh, with a focus on local spirits, which is really nice. All right. Well, for uh, just to tease some of our guests here, or our, our listeners, what's uh, what's one of the spirits or two spirits that would be a must-taste if you're up at BC Distilled? I know that you got to take care of everybody, but not to pick any favorites, <laughs> but if you were to say, you know what, this is really cool. Um, there's a... Okay, well... Yeah, it is a difficult one. One of the things I'm really excited about, there's a distillery in the Okanagan called uh, Maple Leaf Spirits. They do fruit-based spirits. They've got this six-year-old brandy that's just come out, and it is amazing. Uh, we've got another one. This is their second year uh, in the show. Uh, it's called Wood Spirits, and they've got an Amaro, which is which is really, really tasty as well. Hmm. Those, those are just, just a couple. All right. There are a lot. Okay, we can look forward to that. And how the time is what? Is it an afternoon event? It's an evening event, 6 to 9. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at $70. BCDistilled.ca is where you get tickets. And, of course, right. you'll have some uh, past appetizers, so you'll have a chance to, to have some food. But I always recommend when you're going to one of these events, you, you go have some uh, you know big load of French fries, <laughs> give you that real you strong know, base. It's a good idea. I get as much food in as I can. It's never enough. Uh, but the, the location uh, where the where the event is held, there are a 
ton of restaurants just down the road. So it, it's really easy to go and, and grab a bite beforehand and, and get a little bit of uh, something in your stomach before you before you start. All right. Well, we need to make sure that we are responsible uh, sippers and bibers, et cetera. And uh, do you have any awards? Is there a contest? Is there a best cocktail, the people's choice? Or have you got to that point in this pr- this program? Yeah, absolutely. Every year I do a an audience favorite. So the, the, the last year I, I changed it and I actually sent out a survey afterwards to all the attendees and get them to vote on what their favorite spirits were. So, <laughs> they got to yeah, remember. We, we, yeah, well, you know, I used to do it at the event, but I got some really funny votes. Uh, <laughs> I got right. votes for things that just didn't exist because people, they just don't necessarily remember at the time or they, they weren't focused enough. So, you know, a day or two later, and, and they have a program where they can make notes and they know that there's a, they know that they can vote on the audience favorite. So I, I found the quality of voting when I did it a day or two later went up considerably. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to it. It's bcdistilled.ca. It's uh, April... April 8th. April 8th from 6 to 9 p.m. It's up in Vancouver. If you were into the uh, international spirit scene, you have to check it out. Hey, Alex Hamer, the founder, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks very much, Christopher. Good stuff. I'll see you up there, pal. Thank you. Okay, cheers. Bye. All right, folks. Hey, we got one more segment, so stick around right here on 570-KVI. A Northwest original. Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Happy April Fools, everybody. It's uh, the fourth and final segment, and I hope you enjoyed a chat with uh, Koshan555, Communications Director Robert McEwen, and uh, you should meet me up in B.C. next weekend, British Columbia, for B.C. Distilled with Alex Hamer. He is the founder, executive director, and uh, they got 34 distilleries that are pouring a bunch of products. Um, I know that here in Washington, we have the Proof Distillers Festival, and uh, from my friend Dick Stevens in Varsity Communications, they produced that event for the Distillers Guild. That is taking place on July 8th. It's a Saturday night. It's going to be over the Fremont Studios, so uh, that's a little ways away, but while we have uh, July on our mind, um, if you really want to immerse yourself in the world of wine and spirits, uh, there's a uh, an event taking place in July, July 9th, 10th, and 11th at South Seattle College. It's called SOM Summit, the International Wine and Spirits Symposium. And uh, this is the largest international wine, beer, cider, and spirits educational curriculum in the Pacific Northwest. Now, it's open to everybody if you are a wine professional or you're in the industry. Uh, if you're media collectors or enthusiasts, um, perhaps you're at the tasting room, or you're a winemaker, or you're a bartender, or you're curious about it, or just a big fan, it's somsummit.com. That's July 9th, 10th, and 11th. Um, it's a two-and-a-half-day event. They've got uh, speakers, presentations from around the world. So here's some of them. We were going to taste sparkling wines from South Africa, um, big, big, bold reds from Napa Valley. Uh, we've got uh, the wines of Bordeaux, the wines of the Medoc are, will be here. We also have the wines of British Columbia, and our friends at the Psalm Journal and the Tasting Panel magazine are hosting some California wine classes as well. Uh, we're going to have a Lustau Sherry certification course, so you can be an official Sherry ambassador. And if you haven't really dug Sherry yet, it's... Uh, 
it's one of the coolest beverages out there. If you like white burgundies, if you like even champagne, um, all the best burgundies and champagne have this long, long finish, great acidity and complexity, uh, but it's a lot of yeast and a lot of autolysis, which adds this creaminess and uh, brioche and uh, bread crust. Um, and sherry, manzanilla sherry and fino sherry each have uh, components to that because this um, palomino wine is fortified and then has a little bit of floor over it which sort of just keeps it um oxidized so this is something that it doesn't go bad uh it it sort of loses some of its flavor and some cachet but you can store it in your fridge for uh, at least a month um and it's uh it's really tasty. Anyway, so the Lustau Sherry is going to be there. Of course, we have the Washington State Wine. we got the Woodenville Wine Partners coming down to share the AVAs of Washington. We've got Quilcita Creek. So uh, if you wanted to check out Quilcita Creek, uh, it should be on your uh, bucket list. Um, but it's Psalm Summit. It's uh, July 9th to the 11th. That's uh, over at South Seattle College campus. You can get a one-day ticket or you can get the whole shebang, and it's going to be really, really cool. Um, I'm pretty lucky to have uh, these PR companies send me stuff. And today, um, not only did I get a bottle of Ancho Reyes Ancho Chili Liqueur, um, it's made in Mexico. It's made from an old, old recipe, um, and it's got a huge, great depth of flavor. If you like Ancho Chilies, um, and that's the stuff that makes chili powder, right? They take these anchos, they dry them. You've seen those wreaths or the big, long, uh, braided chili strand um, of red chilies. They're all dried. What they do is they, they soak this and macerate it in uh, their liqueur. They add a little sugar, um, and it comes out to be quite interesting. Ancho Reyes, Ancho Chili Liqueur. Uh, we should have a recipe contest because it's a little sweet by itself, and I think chilies and sweet doesn't always go together, but uh, we need some sweet and sour, so maybe the margarita will be calling. But uh, it's kind of fun to get that in the mail. Nice little surprise. I also got something today called The Secrets of Master Brewers. Now, um, I do enjoy books, and uh, I got a bunch of them. Uh, here's the contents of this book. It's uh, it's all about beer, of course, and you, you get to learn about the British tradition, traditional brewing in Brit- Britain, uh, traditional brewing in Germany, uh, the Czech traditions from Czechoslovakia, Belgian, French, and Italian. So you can really take this book. It's called The Secrets of Master Brewers. Um, it's techniques, traditions, and homebrew recipes for 26 of the world's classic beer styles, which is really cool because we're going to have a, a beer sem- uh, cl- seminar at Psalm Summit, and I can go ahead and raise my hand and act like I know what the heck I'm talking about because I've got this book, The Secrets of Master Brewers. I wanted to read just a quick little insert about uh, excerpt from it. Um, if you've ever had a chance to speak to a professional brewer about his approach, uh, or her approach, I should say, I bet you noticed something. He wasn't uncertain. And over the course of two decades, uh, this guy's interviewed hundreds of brewers and is always taken by their level of conviction. Um, this is uh, it's a paperback book. It's available at Amazon.com. Um, I got it in the mail, but uh, it's worth a good read. It's got some cool stuff. You want to learn about how the world's most classic beers are brewed, and it's got a little history on all the breweries. So I hope you enjoyed the show today with, uh, again, Robert McEwen of Koshan 555. That's taking place April 30th. you got to see me at the Fairmont Olympic, um, and then maybe I'll see you up in BC Distilled. And if you are out and about, um, I would invite you to check out Coral Wines. It's uh, now April. We've got uh, Great White, Great Red, and Great Rosé. Uh, hope to see you next week right here on 570 KVI. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!